Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. This is part two. If you're visiting here just for today, this is part two of a talk, uh, but I'll give you some kind of uh, update from from last week. Um, But we're looking at the dream church, um, uh, the ideal church, and um, I have seen some pretty cool churches in my preaching travels. Uh, I, uh, last uh, week, I mentioned the King's, King Centre in Chessington, London, which uh, 25 years ago approached the local council and said, how about we go halves in building a community centre for the wider public? Uh, we'll run it for you, if that's okay. And uh, they've been doing it for the last 25 years uh, to enormous effect. Uh, the church runs it, but at the heart of it is a worshipping community and they've reached into their wider community in, in compelling ways. Uh, another uh, amazing church I preached at uh, is the Island Evangelical Church in uh, Community Church in uh, Hong Kong? Um, they really wanted to be part of the the city life, and so they've taken uh, four uh, stories of a huge office block uh, office block in uh, in the city in Ireland, and um, uh, they 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 meet for public worship on two levels. Then they've got a cafe and the kids ministry on another level, and offices above that. And they have over the years become a real part of the city life. Uh, in Hong Kong. Very impressive. Uh, quite different is a series of churches I visited in Anhui province in uh, uh, China, uh, where uh, they live under enormous stress. They tend to meet in just little communities of 30 or 40. But the thing is, you will find them in prayer uh, on their knees daily together as a, as a church. It is very impressive. At the other end of the spectrum is Saddleback Church in Orange County. Um, This is a church that 30 years ago was just a Bible study in Rick Warren's lounge room, right? And and now it has a campus uh, as big as Melbourne University campus and are doing some extraordinary, extraordinary things. Now, what I love about these churches is not any of the visible wow of them. Um, It's the way they have been able to combine... Um, as a passion for the Lord and a super outreach focus. Uh, we might think of it as, as worship and, and mission, holding them together. And, of course, these two are connected. I would, I would say that the, the more devoted we are to the Lord, truly devoted to the Lord, the more that will send us out with passion and innovation uh, to reach the wider world. Or as I'm going to be putting it uh, repeatedly uh, in today's talk, the more upward our vision, the more outward our ambition. Um, we've been studying Acts 2. Hope you've got it open, 42 to 47, a dense summary of the first church. I said last week that we're not really to read this as a prescription for everything we need today, but nor is it just a description of what happened to happen. Luke has deliberately placed it after the first evangelistic address, after the first report of 3,000 being converted, So it's clearly a a kind of ideal uh, summary of of church life. And um, I pointed out just two of these ideals last week. Uh, If you weren't here, uh, I I said um, perhaps not very exciting, uh, but but absolutely necessary, that they were good students. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, okay? Um, uh, Founded on a particular message, the gospel, devoted to a particular curriculum. This... This was crucial and first in the early church. 
devoted to a particular curriculum that prepared them for all the works of services service that followed. And secondly, that they were family. They weren't just nerds. They were caring for one another, sharing lives, sharing resources. But today I want to look at two more uh, of the ideals that Luke stresses. Uh, firstly, they looked upward. They looked upward. This may seem super obvious, uh, but it shouldn't go unstated. The church is first and foremost a worshipping community. We first and foremost love God. We, we, we are not a rotary club or a musical society or a school. Even though the church shares the elements of those three uh, organizations, we are a worshipping community that looks up. Notice the ways uh, Luke stresses this in Acts 42. I hope you got it open. Uh, they devoted themselves um, to prayer. Well, that's an upward activity, right? Uh, verse 43 says, everyone was filled with awe. That's certainly an upward sense of God's majesty. And verse 47 says, and they were praising God. Praising God. Prayer or praise. These are all upward activities. And notice it says they were devoted to prayer. They didn't just turn up. They didn't, didn't see it as a duty. Didn't just, you know, happen to be morning prayer, so we say the prayers. They were devoted. Proskatereo. This word comes from the word strong. But with a little pros on the, on the front, it sort of means to be strongly or keenly or diligently give yourself to something. Okay? And it's interesting in the New Testament, this word, proskatereo, is very often used in connection with prayer. Strong, enduring, giving yourself, diligent, devoted prayer. So we see in Colossians 4, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. In Romans 12, the same word is used. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. In Ephesians 6, uh, you get the noun form. Uh, with this in mind, be alert. Uh, always keep on praying for all the Lord's pre uh, people. Diligent. Prayer. How you doing? Would that describe your approach to prayer? John Calvin um, called prayer the chief exercise of faith. And when I read that, I went, bull. <laughs> the chief exercise of faith? And then I read him and I thought, jerky's right. Because <laughs> whether you're thanking God for all that he gives confessing your sins, or asking him for stuff, prayer is like 100% just trusting God. It is the chief exercise of faith. Now, I have seen some extraordinary prayer meetings uh, over the years. Um, I'm not sure that was actually a video, but I think it's died. Um, an amazing prayer meeting in Unwe province uh, some years ago. It just blew my mind to hear these people under great pressure just throw themselves onto God. Uh, but you don't have to be a persecuted church to, to have that kind of approach to prayer. Um, my best mate uh, used to be one of the ministers at uh, Emmanuel uh, Ridgeway in London. And um, 
I was blown away by when they called a prayer meeting. They were a church of about 400. They would get 200 to, a, to their like weekly midweek prayer meeting. Like I've been a minister and you'd be lucky to get 10% to the midweek prayer meeting. But this church, half the church turn up midweek. Very impressive. How are we doing? The other upward activity is awe. See verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. This word awe is phobos, fear. Usually the word used for fear of the Lord. And, and um, here I, I, I think it, it just means they are um, in fear of the Lord because of what he was doing through the apostles. Awe is a good uh, word, but um, it's got this sense of this being overwhelmed by the majesty of God. Now, we don't have apostles doing miracles, but we've got every reason to still be in awe. The God, our creator, who sustains every particle, giving it being. Those of you who read Aquinas. The gospel. God gave himself in Jesus Christ. The, the mission that's booming throughout Africa and China and Iran. We must be in awe. And closely tied to awe is the other uh, upward activity, verse 47. They were praising God. I think this is one of those permissible times to call that an iterative present. Uh, would you say, uh, Professor Bird? Well, yeah, they were praised. Iterative. You give it iterative. Yeah. Um, Praise is, is, is the verbalization of our awe. It's the apt saying of what's real. And if you don't say it, it's incomplete. This really hit me uh, last year when I went uh, skiing. I go skiing a lot uh, in, in, in the season. Um, but quite a number of times last ski season, I couldn't find anyone to go with, so I just skied by myself. This is where you go, oh. <laughs> and um, and I, would, I would zip down the mountains and it never dawned on me how important it is to be able to say out loud how awesome that run was. You're screaming down on a beautiful day. The snow is perfect. The turns are actually working for once. You get to the bottom and you'd normally go to your mates, how good was that? Did you see that jump? Did you see that snow? Et cetera, et cetera, right? But I would get to the end. No, I had no one. <laughs> I'm marking one of your essays soon, aren't I? <laughs> I was incomplete until I verbalized it. And of course, my point is that that's what praise is. You know, when our uh, skeptical friends say, why do you Christians always praise God? Is God so insecure he needs your praise? You just say, not at all. But I feel incomplete if I can't say something about his goodness and grace. The church looks upward in prayer and awe and praise. Can I be slightly controversial for a second? My conservative evangelical mob, I don't know about yours, sometimes criticizes Pentecostals. You know, just every now and then. 
<laughs> but over the years, I, I've come to believe they, they have something over, over us. And, and it's not, you know, the music, the technology, the haircuts. It's, um, <laughs> it's what you might call an abandonment to God. And sometimes in my circles, we are willing to worship God right to the border of respectability. <laughs> and no further. Everything has to be plausible, manageable, stewardship. But I love when I see Geronimo for the Lord. Because when you are full of worship, you, you, you'll do whatever it takes to serve him. Or, as I said a moment ago, the more upward our vision, the more outward our ambition. Which is my second point. I'll try and be brief. The ideal church looks out to the world. It doesn't just look upward. It looks outward. And there are two striking outward references in this ideal passage if you glance down at verse 47, they were what? Enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Public favor, evangelistic growth. It's important to spot that, that Luke isn't saying Christians found favor with other Christians. When it says found favor with all the people, that means the non-Christians. Because this group he's talking about are all the Christians in the world at the moment, right? This is the first 3,000 converts. They found favor with all the people, means the wider Jerusalem. Now, Luke is, you know, clear that persecution can come. And in fact, in Acts chapter 3, persecution breaks out, right? So Luke's not an idiot. He doesn't think it's all favor. But it remains an ideal to win the favor of the non-Christian public through the kinds of lives that we live. In fact, this is a theme for Luke um, and Paul. Here's um, Luke speaking uh, about Jesus. Um, then he went down with them, came to Nazareth. He was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. And uh, one of the necessary qualifications for pastors is overlooked often you know you think of you know when you go to the pastoral epistles what is a pastor meant to have right 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 we we overlook this one the overseer must not be a recent convert okay cool and he or he may be conceited and, and fall under the same judgment as the devil he must also have a good reputation with outsiders he must have a good witness it says from those on the outside. In other words, when you're selecting who's going to be an overseer, you've got to make sure they have a good report from those who don't believe. Wow. I don't think this was ever part of the drill when I went into ministry. Favor. Our whole church here won favor from the people. 
Along with favor, Luke celebrates growth. That's the last thing he says. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Luke loves telling us about growth. I know some of us, particularly Australians, are really creeped out by growth. Like that's what the Americans are into. We're we're Aussies. We're more authentic, right? (laughs) But Luke loves growth. Look look how obsessed Luke is with growth. Uh, 4-4. But many who heard the message believed and the number of people grew to about 5,000. Uh, Acts 5. Um, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. 6. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing. Still 6. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. 11. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. They spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. 17. Some of... You're getting bored? Some of... (laughs) Now, I've seen some ridiculous churches, like uh, Saddleback uh, Community, um, <laughs> which, as I said, uh, has a campus the size of Melbourne University. Um, but but um, they have 30,000 people in Bible studies. They don't measure the size of their church by who turns up on Sunday, but by who's in a Bible study. Isn't that cool? And in 30 years, they've grown from one Bible study to 30,000 people in Bible studies. Now, it's easy to be cynical. And when I was invited there to do something, uh, I was like, oh, really? You know, purpose driven. (laughs) (laughs) And then you meet the people involved there, the integrity, generosity of spirit, the humility. When you learn that they have sent 5,000 missionaries out from their church in 30 years. You hear that? 5,000 missionaries from their church and suddenly my cynicism about big church was exposed for what it really is it was just sort of faux spirituality justifying sameness justifying mediocrity I've had people say to me in my own church if our church grows to a certain size I'll be leaving right now, they thought they were being really spiritual because they you know, wanted to know everyone's name and its community. and that. If this grows to a certain size, I'm leaving? What? Of course, you can think what I was thinking of saying back to them. But I didn't. I was a good pastor. But it's pretend spirituality. In fact, I'll, I'll never forget um, when my own church was doing strategy sessions um, for uh, our... Uh, we were wanting to reach out to the wider... Uh, community and we had all these consultations and we were talking about what would be a plausible expectation of growth we're not aiming for growth for its own sake but if the Lord blessed us we would have to change things staff buildings etc to cope with growth so we looked back on our history at St Andrews Roseville and saw that there was a period in our history where we grew 10% per annum for quite a period and we thought okay what would happen if the Lord blessed us 10% per annum and, and the numbers, you know, we, we did that 10%, I don't, can't remember what it's called, you know, something to do with maths, um, where you, yeah, anyway, so, uh, what's it called? There you go, compound interest, yeah. <laughs> and, and so we were 350 at the time, we said 10%, well, that would be 385 in the next year, I wrote this down, uh, 423, the next, 465, 511, 562, and within 10 years, uh, bumping up against 1,000 people. This is what we were talking about. And the murmur in the room 
was like, ooh, a thousand. Because <laughs> we were good Anglicans worshipping right to the borders of the state building. Until Barb Fitzherbert put up a hand and she said, it's not enough. It's not enough. No one dares argue <laughs> with Barb Fitzherbert. Of course, faithfulness to God is first. But my point is when we worship God beyond the borders of the respectable, we'll do whatever it takes to see the Lord's kingdom expand in our midst. The upward and the outward are not at loggerheads with each other. The more upward our vision, the more outward our ambition. So I close by simply saying, uh, may we be good students. And those of you who are thinking of coming to Ridley, come and help the church be good students of Christ. Because everything flows from that including the family that is the church, our upward worship of God, our outward mission to the world. So Lord, we pray for your blessing, which can only come as your gift by the Spirit. So Lord, please, pour out your Spirit of grace on us that we may truly please you. Pour out the continual dew of your blessing. Grant this for the honour of Jesus Christ. Amen.